hello. My name is Jasmine Brooks Shear Hers, and I'm one of the co-chairs for Pan African Network. Jamal, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, hello, my name is Jamal McDaniel. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm also the other half of the Pan African Network uh, Community Outreach and Civic Engagement Chair. Awesome. Yeah, I should have said civic, um, community engagement, civic um, engagement. I'm definitely trying to still figure out my titles, but we're excited to have a really awesome guest here today um, to really speak about the Erica J. Holloman Foundation. Um, Ebony, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your role, kind of what you do, those types of things. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. As indicated, my name is Ebony. It's actually Dr. Ebony um, Grace Griffin, and I serve as um, the VP um, on the board of the Erica J. Holloman Foundation. Um, and I am so glad to be here to represent our foundation, to represent Erica, and to represent the work we are doing around spreading awareness with triple negative breast cancer. Um, a little bit about myself, I, um, my foundation lies in higher education. I spent many years in the higher education sector, so I'm very um, familiar with the Pan-African Network. Um, every year, Erica and I went and um, did trainings and presented at the ACPA conference, so there's a lot of familiarity there. And while I am no longer currently in the higher education sector, I'm still in the education um, area, just working for a nonprofit within the Head Start Department. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I'm thinking about uh, Jamal and I uh, really trying to be collaborators with the foundation. It was important to think about what impacts our community. Um, how can we become more engaged? And so Erica J. Holloman has been a very um, prompt, been a very prominent um, piece in a lot of um, that service component that we do each year, particularly at the um, national convention um, that is hosted in the spring. Um, Jamal, can you speak a little bit more about the experience that you had um, in in knowing a little bit more about the foundation, the work with PAN? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've only been a part of PAN for a little bit over a year, but even last year um, and the years past, we've always tried to do some act of of service um, a way to not only bring awareness to Erica J. Holloman and who she was, but to make sure that we're giving back to the Pan-African community. Um, and also just trying to bring awareness to um, just knowing your, your status and your health. Um, so last year we advocated um, for uh, financial contributions towards the the foundation, uh, which we are doing the same this year. Um, I know in the past uh, we've also done some breast, um, some uh, drives for for bras, um, and try to really align what we have done or are doing in support of the foundation. Absolutely. Um, and so, Ebony, to get into knowing about the foundation, right, What what is its mission and its vision? Like, what does that look like for you all? So, our mission, uh, we, we were organi organized uh, for the charitable O and the scientific and educational purposes, uh, more specifically to raise awareness about and seek 
the prevention of triple negative breast cancer. And our vision is just to educate the community. We want to educate the community. We want to give hope. We want to empower men and women who um, have um, been inundated with this uh, type of cancer and really also just around being healthy and making sure that we're aware of our body and what's going on with our body and that we're being proactive and not reactive when it comes to our health. And so that is what our mission and vision is. Right. Um, so thank you for that, um, Ebony. We wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about Erica J. Holloman. Um, you know, some things that you feel comfortable sharing with the audience, because we think it's important for people to really get connected to the work, to understand a little bit more about who she was. So could you tell us um, who she was um, and maybe something that we can learn from her life and story? Yeah. So um, Erica was an educator through and through. And from being a little girl at Walnut Hills High School and a scholar then all the way until she became received her PhD. Um, she's a daughter. She was a daughter of Josie Holloman Adams and Bobby Adams um, and a true friend, truly a true friend and one of my closest friends. Um, Erica started out her calling for higher education at the University of Cincinnati with myself and just to tell you a little bit about our history while we ended up being really close friends. We started out as RAs. Um, at the University of Cincinnati, and I couldn't stand her, and she couldn't stand me. <laughs> it's actually very funny every time I think about it. Um, but we just, did, we just didn't hit it off, and um, it took us a while. We worked together at UC. We moved from being RAs to being assistant hall directors to being hall directors at the University of Cincinnati, and that's how we became really close and really began to develop as professionals in the higher education uh, sector. And then Erica went off and she um, became um, working in the student life area in multicultural affairs and reference life at, at Thomas More College. And then she went to the University of, uh, of Louisville as a PhD candidate. She received a fellowship. And when she did that, um, she called me when she decided to do that and said, I really think you should look into this position at Thomas More College. I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll look into it. And so I ended up actually taking Erica's position. At Thomas More, um, and I ended up spending eight years at that institution as dean of students and, and director of student life. And then she uh, found a very good program as a graduate of, in a graduate program of Winston Salem in North Carolina, and she uh, went on worked with them and the graduate student affairs and multicultural programming for the School of Business, and, and loved it um, there. Um, so she, you know, really when I speak of all that, I really speak of just that educator through and through. She encouraged others to be educated. I am Dr. Ebony because of one of the reasons she's a major part of that. She pressed me to become wow. doctor um, and mm -hmm. pushed me to do that. Um, she just wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> so um, she is a major part of me being doctor. So truly an educator through and through. Um, and so... To talk a little bit about Erica and how we got to this point, Erica um, used to also make uh, jewelry. And one day she was um, trying to make a necklace and discovered a lump in her chest the size of a die. And after her um, self-researching and a dire 
going to the doctor. She was very quick to go to the doctor as soon as she found the lump. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in October of 2008. Um, and she was working on her PhD, so she did not let that diagnosis stop her. She continued through her, her PhD program. She continued to work. Um, and she, you know, she found out she had triple negative breast cancer at the age of 31. Um, and then after about three months of chemotherapy, she chose to have a double mastectomy and reconstruction. And Erica lived uh, four years and six months until it um, came back, and it came back very aggressive. Um, and she passed June 15th of 2011. But one of the things that's true about Erica and her fight and the reason why this foundation exists is that she was a fighter. She didn't give up. She continued with her education um, and was able to complete her dissertation and complete the work and become doctor. Um, and that, you know, she just, she was a fighter. And she believed in um, making sure that people were aware, making sure that people were educated. And that's why we continue the legacy of the work that she, she started. Thank you so. for sharing that. That was, that's really powerful. I, I think about the times where, you know, how connected, you know, myself, I, I recently lost my grandmother um, to breast cancer. And so it just, ne it never, it never resonates with people until we've had a close loss. Um, and it, it's hard to have these conversations where we also know that, you know, the Pan-African uh, folks, black women um, are impacted uh, the most and we find out much later Um, triple negative breast cancer, what we found is that, you know, 15 to 20% of all breast cancers in the U.S. is triple negative breast cancer. Mm. Um, and anyone can get triple negative breast cancer, but what the research shows is that it occurs more often in younger women, mm. African-American women, Hispanic and Latino women, and then um, uh, women with a certain type of mutation. And so this is why when we, when we go and we're speaking about this, we really want to encourage young African-American and women of color because unfortunately um, it ends up, it has, the research has shown it ends up being deadly for many of us. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we are spreading the word about the importance because sometimes the doctors won't, won't even allow us to get a mammogram mm -hmm. or tell us we shouldn't get a mammogram until later in our age. Uh, when Erica passed at 35, I started to receive a mammogram right away every year. And I have done it every year since her passing. Um, and I didn't allow a doctor to tell me. And I have no family history. And the reason that is is Erica had no family history. She didn't smoke and she didn't drink. And she was super funny about what she ate. So I don't know. You know, it, it didn't make sense. We couldn't understand how... You know, they say, well, if you have family history, then you can have a mammogram at an early age. Well, she had no family history. So it's important that we advocate for ourselves. And so often as um, African-American women or women of color, or even uh, the African-American community, we, we often don't do that. So we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to be aware. And we have to say, no, I need a mammogram, and, and this is what it is, and this is why. 
I think to build off of that, I tell folks that um, if your doctor is denying you referral or um, care that you feel like you need to have them documented because a lot of times um, that helps in holding them accountable, um, but then also learning how to take us seriously. I feel like we're not taken seriously about our pain, about our experiences, particularly if there is no history, because that's always the first question. Well, is there history? And it's like, well, no, but that doesn't negate that there there potentially is an opportunity that I do need that type of care. And, and the other thing about that, Jackson, I want to say is that um, we say um, we don't know that there's history, but I'm, just to speak a little bit about my own family history, I honestly, if someone asked me what was the history for my great-grandmother, I couldn't answer mm-hmm. that. What was her medical history? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to answer that. My my um, grandmother actually just passed in April, and she did pass of uh, cancer. And uh, while it wasn't breast cancer, it was a different type of cancer. Her mother, we have no clue what her mother or her father's mother or father, we don't know that. And so often we say, well, we don't have the family history, but it may not be that immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, we really don't know often. So what barriers keep us from engaging in this? Like if we, if we know that we don't know so why don't we tell these stories why don't we share these experiences to help build more awareness around this i don't know i think our you know our history shows us we are our community can be super hush hush about what goes on in families um we we have been um we are very prayed away type of people Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we not not only around this, but I mean, especially when I think about mental health and and other other um, things that go on with us, is we will say, well, I'm just gonna pray it away and things like that. But it, it's I think that's a part of it. And uh, and the other part is, um, rightfully so, we don't trust hospitals and doctors and medication, and we have mm-hmm. good reason. There is history behind it for us that you know we we don't trust. Uh, what the doctors are saying about for us or if they have our best interests at heart and we have reasons to, to do that and because we haven't we don't have that trust um, we won't go and we become super reactive instead of proactive around our health um, and until it's happening to us we don't believe it will happen to us mm-hmm. we like you indicated earlier um, that your grandmother, until it's in our immediate family or somebody we're super close to, or is actually happening, um, then we don't, we're not doing as much preventative work um, and, and checkups. So, and, and what we find is if you look at, you know, who's going to the emergency room? Well, it's us. Oftentimes, the poor is those uh, uh, people of color for several reasons, whether it be insurance or whether it be, again, being reactive. I'm, I, I'm not, been, well, I've been sick for uh, seven months, well, and I'm just now going in to see and, and get it checked on. But I think, mm-hmm. well, you know, some of those are, are some of the barriers that are keeping us from our community, um, engaging. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I'm also thinking a lot of times we think that we always have time you know, we 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 have more time to to um, 
to get checked and things like that. I mean, me being 26 years old, folks be like, oh, well, you're too young to have to worry about that. Um, but like the reality is we may not be, I may not be too young. I just not haven't, haven't taken advantage of, I'm getting checked and getting the information that we know. And I think to your point, it either comes out of a lack of trust for, um, you know, doctors or um, just a lack of, of awareness and, and then just trying to, like it, I think we have to make it take some amount of courage you know, to, to really put yourself out there in order to know what your status is. And not even know your status, but just to to just go regularly to the doctor. I, I can imagine there are not very many of us who just go, um, whether something is wrong or not. And I think when we start to build up our people in our community um, to do more of those things, we might be able to be a lot more proactive. Um, so, yeah, I, I think especially... Um, you know, I I had a great aunt who I was very, very close to, who I lost when I was very young um, to breast cancer. Um, you know, so what I do uh, is every, any opportunity that I have, whether it's participating in Relay for Life um, or anything that really does bring more of awareness to breast cancer, um, I try to participate in it because I think it's important. Um, but what I do know I need to do now, especially do more of, especially as a black male, is to actually actively go and to the doctor and get checked. Um, because, you know, the thing about breast cancer is, you know, I didn't realize until a couple of years ago that men can actually still develop breast cancer as well. And I think that we have to take more of an active role to understand that even if there's less than 1%, we can still very much so be that 1%. So kind of going off of, you know, that what are some ways that you believe we can increase awareness of, of the foundation, but also just, um, you know, for African-American people, just knowing their status and getting checked? Yeah. So I think that um, some things that we can do is talk about Erica's story and other stories. Um, there are many people's stories out there about their fight and and um, what they experienced and doing uh, some research behind it. So spreading, talking about Erica's story and others, researching and then sending that information out. I think the higher education sector is a, a very good sector to begin in. You want to reach people earlier. You want to talk about these things earlier in life so that they don't wait until the age of 50 to then start to think about these things. But think about it now. Uh, we want to have conversations such as this. This is a, a vital conversation, um, an excellent way to do so, as we understand that younger people are listening to more to podcasts than they are to other uh, radio stations, et cetera. So this is an excellent venue in which to share this information. And then um, bringing organizations such as, our, as yourself to high schools, colleges, and universities to spread that uh, word. And to get in touch with some doctors and nurses who are in this field, and asking them to come and to those colleges and universities to talk about this. And the other thing is, um, is that we don't have many, as many people of color going into the field of mammography and, and, and learning those things. And that's another avenue we should be doing, looking at those uh, parts of our institutions and making sure 
that uh, we have more people of color in the field because of the trust factor. And what we know for sure is that um, we trust more of the people that look like us. And so it's imperative that we have people in the field that look like us to say it's okay. This is what's going on. This is important for us. That's important as well. I think, yeah, I, I think you make a good point about representation because I think of all the students that come in and they are biology majors or communications and we, as much as we may not want to go into the actual field, we still need partners, we still need folks to help tell these stories and so whatever way in which that happens, I always encourage students to not just think of their their potential career path as this one set thing, but how could they help empower their community from where they're seated, right? And thinking about the representation there, because that that super important representation is is super important. And so taking it from this 30,000 foot view, right? Um, a lot of folks who are potentially listening to this right now, they're potentially gonna go home for the, you know, the holidays or for breaks. Um, so how, how can we start, you know, these smaller conversations with our families, given that, you know, it's, like you mentioned earlier of this hush hush prayed away mentality. What is what is your your thoughts on how to talk with these things about our friends and family, given, you know, the social environmental pressures that keep us um, from having this conversation? Yeah, I think that we started um, with just saying, did you hear that wonderful podcast that I heard? Tell you about this great podcast. <laughs> That I heard. That's how you started. You say, I mean, that's how you started, right? Or you started with, I read this um, article about um, African-American women or, or people of color and triple negative breast cancer or about African-American men and prostate cancer. That's how, you know, I would encourage us to start the conversations over the turkey and the dressing and the macaroni and cheese and grains. Um, yes, I, yes, all of that. <laughs> just in case you don't know, think that's on my mind. It is. Um, so we just want to begin the conversation and, and begin the conversation from a, an ethic of care. I care about my family. I care. I I want them to be well, and they want me to be well. You start the conversation by saying, "I guess what? I went and had my first mammogram, and this is what that experience was like." Because some of it is right or I went and had my prostate examined it wasn't as bad as you know uh, people say it is this is this is really how it goes right um, so we want to speak from our own experiences and so now you know when I'm talking to my sister who is 10 years younger than me I can speak from my experience from getting my mammogram and, and I can talk to her about Erica's story and I can talk to her about other women who are fighting, like I have a good friend right now who is fighting right now for triple, neg uh, triple negative breast cancer, and I can talk about her experiences. Um, and sometimes we have to get to the feet of those who have those experiences, who've been through it, and listen to them and then go out and share their wisdom or, or invite them to the table to share their wisdom themselves, you know? So I think that, you know, we think that we have to have all these special words or these medical terms, et cetera, but you don't. You just need to, to just start it off from this place of care and love for those in our communities and those in our families and that their life is important and we want them around 
and as much as we can do preventatively, we have to do our part. And for those in the, in the community, especially um, the African-American community, you know, that speaks about um, a, a religious place, well, you know, he gives us or he, her, the universe, however you uh, choose to view that for your higher power, gives us the knowledge and power and the choice. Right, and mm-hmm. so we want to use that. We want to say, um, I have done everything that I can do. Erica was died six, uh, 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 four years and six months after her diagnosis, and she wouldn't have lived that long had she not gone straight in, had she not done the double mastectomy, had she not done her part. She still was able to live some years, and there are women who, um, who and men who have survived. Um, there are survival stories out there, many of them, mm-hmm. um, and they did their part. We have to do our part. And what is our what does our part look like? And that looks like going to the doctor, getting checked up, um, and making sure as much as we can find out, like sitting around the table this Thanksgiving or um, holiday season and asking, uh, do, did you have any, what are your, what's your medical history, Granny, or um, is there anything I should know? Those are important conversations. I think you make a good point of the power of choice, because I, I think about a couple of things, just my lack of knowledge around my benefits, right? When I first started in higher education, and the privilege I have right now of having benefits to where I can go and get mental health services, um, that I can go to the doctor, I can determine who my doctor is, the referral process, those types of things, and that health efficacy that we don't always think about, but we have at our disposal, particularly as higher ed professionals. I can't speak for everybody because I'm not sure of like everyone's health benefits across um, the nation, but I know particularly in Iowa um, that that is something that we are afforded to um, that costs us uh, minimum or no money. And I always ask my colleagues that are my age or older, I say, when was the last time you go to the doctor? And they're just looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, well, how would you yeah. know you're fine, right? We we assume these aches and pains are just normal, normal aging process, right? That I'm getting right. sleepier or that, you know, um, my eating habits have changed. I think about like my parents saying the same thing of, you're 30, so that's just what 30 looks like. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, they're, they're my vitamins. Mom, my mom's like, keep living. Just keep living. I'm like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> there, there's living and there's thriving, right? Like, I can live each day, but am I thriving and have, like you said, used everything to my, that I have access to to make that happen, to feel better, to feel my optimal self, you know? So, Dr. Ebony, I, I just, let me go back to that, because when you said the beginning, I said yes. Um, <laughs> as we kind of get to our final question, um, if folks are interested and wondering how they can continue to support or start to support the Erica J. Holliman Foundation, could you tell us about some opportunities? Oh, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is to check out our website at www.ericajhollimanfoundationinc.org. It's to go to the website and find out, you know, what are some things that I talked about our mission, our vision. Um, you can read Erica's story actually completely on, on there. She also has a book that her mother uh, finished um, for her that Erica started. 
uh, about her her plight um, through her fight with triple negative breast cancer and um, find out more about the foundation. But there, um, we are always looking for um, people to spread the word so you can get information off the website that you can spread and use as you're talking at your table um, this holiday season or you're talking and spreading the word for your loved ones and your friends. Um, you can participate in our annual bra drive that occurs every year from June 15th to July 19th. Um, we have the Ohio's first license plate for triple negative breast cancer awareness. So if you're in Ohio, uh, that's an opportunity for you to spread the word about triple negative breast cancer through the license plate. Um, you can donate so that we can continue to raise awareness. We use those funds to go and speak and present. And um, we buy t-shirts for college students to spread the word during the month of October uh, on triple negative breast cancer. Um, we've gone, uh, many of our college students are at different colleges and universities, and we've actually gone to some colleges and universities and spoke um, to some groups around triple negative breast cancer and the importance of um, getting checked out. Um, so those are some ways in which um, the listeners can um, help spread the word about the foundation, get involved, etc. Perfect. Um, so any final thoughts from this conversation, takeaways, um, needs to know, tips, those types of things that you feel we have not covered? Um, no, no, no. I just I thank you all again for having the foundation on and allowing us to share Erica's story and allowing us and helping us to spread the word about triple negative breast cancer. And more than anything, um, I, I just want to say be sure to be your own advocate. Make sure that you check yourself. Make sure that you're doing um, annual, I mean, monthly breast exams and that you um, know your family history and that you um, are advocating for yourself when you go to the doctor um, and that, you know, don't let them tell you what your pain is. You know your body, know your body, know your body, know what's going on with your body, and don't wait. Please be proactive. Um, don't wait. Go get it checked out. That's very, very important. Okay. Well, thank you for um, spending some time with us. Uh, Jamal and I definitely appreciate you for working with um, Community Outreach and Civic Engagement to, again, spread this important message. Uh, we hope that you all who are listening or, you know, had some takeaways, some additional questions, and please feel free to engage with us uh, via our website or social media um, and check out the post from this month uh, about how to do self-checks, ways in which we can promote um, this um, topic, increase awareness, those types of things. But um, thank you all. And yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.